Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. It is not on the screen this morning, so just tune your ears and your hearts. Close your eyes if you need to. Acts chapter 6. We're looking at the life of Stephen today. It says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews. I've got a lot of reverb here. I don't know what's going on here. but All right. You just keep working. And the, it says in the 12, uh, there was, let me start over. Now in these days when the disciples were increased in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we would have to give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, pick out among you seven people of good repute full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Uh, and then it says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and what they said pleased the uh, gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pecorius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicolaus, a, pr- a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, uh, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stripped up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him back to the council. And they, they set up false witnesses and said, This man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs of Moses has delivered to us. And gazing at him and all who saw the council saw that his face was like an angel. And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The glory of God appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and so on. And then he goes on for like two more pages and preaches like this amazing sermon. So we'll get into that in a minute. But the word of the Lord. Amen. Let me pray for us one more time. God, we just uh, thank you that you are here. Uh, We pray that you would not let this be uh, a place we come out of just ritual or tradition, um, that we would come here knowing that we are come here to encounter the living God, whether it is through words from each other or through the Holy Scriptures. Now, would you illuminate these words? Would you let my words, God, fall to the ground? Um, Would your words bring life and life to the fullest this morning? God, transform us change us. We are not here to leave the same. We are here to be changed by you. And for those who have ears, let them hear. And those who have eyes, let them see. And Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? In Jesus Christ's name, we lift up high in praise. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, I want to, if you're new with us, we are in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at this uh, amazing life of Stephen. I've just been enamored with Stephen. I was, I was studying for the series. I actually did not plan to do a sermon on Stephen. 
Um, but I've just become so enamored in my study with this guy that um, I just can't get away from him. And I want to share a couple of insights. Luke is this careful historian who wrote uh, Gospel of Luke and Acts. It was, it was split up into two big scrolls because there was just so much. So that's why we separate them. But he wrote Acts, which is short for Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And uh, in this story, he, some reason, includes this entire sermon of Stephen that we didn't read, but it's, you should go home. That's your homework assignment. Go home and read this, the sermon of Stephen, okay? Um, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but he includes this long sermon, and he includes two chapters on the life of Stephen. And what I love about Stephen is he's just quite ordinary. In, uh, in Bam Stanton quite fashion, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're quite ordinary. Just go ahead and turn. There you go. That's something Bam would do. So I'm just trying to let, I'm trying to let Bam rub off on me a little bit here. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you're really ordinary. <laughs> we, uh, I hope you're not offended by that. Um, but we are ordinary people. And what I love about Stephen is he's just an ordinary dude. He, uh, he was just an ordinary guy, and they're like, hey, you, you're full of grace and the Spirit. Why don't you help us? We need administration needs, and we need widows to be served. And so he joins the benevolence team, and he starts serving. And the Holy Spirit has this amazing opportunity to work through ordinary people. So every single one of you is qualified for the Holy Spirit to work through you. And if you've disqualified yourself for some reason, or you think, oh, that's just not me, what I love about Stephen is he's just a local guy, and therefore, normal dude, and we are just so enamored of the fact that we are each qualified to do the ministry of God, whether you know it or not, because you're quite ordinary too. And that's what I love about this guy. He's not, some, he doesn't, he's not one of the, pers- the apostles. He's not one of these people that everyone's looking to. And it's fascinating that when you look through God, I just am so amazed by God's divine wisdom and strategy of how he works in the world that he chooses to let us participate in his renewal work. That's what we are here for as a church is to seek, uh, join God as he renew, renews all things in Chicago. Amen? We are here to see him renew every sector of Chicago, to renew the, the arts industry, the business industry, to renew um, uh, social services, to renew injustices, to spread the name of Jesus all across this city. And he wants to use ordinary people. God, there's no strength of any person that can match the strength of God. There's no wisdom of any human being that can match the wisdom of God. There's no one big enough that can match the grandeur of God. There's no one who can love to match the love of God, but yet God chooses to use ordinary people like you and me to spread his good news. And uh, this morning, I just wanted you to hear that and invite you into that, to you to believe that again. God did not look at like some Stephen and go like, with the angels, Michael and Gabriel, whoa, look at this guy. I I, I know I did a great job, but look at his resume. I mean, he is incredible. I, I mean, I thought he would be amazing, but this is just blowing my mind. Like, no, God's not impressed with anyone that he's created because we're all ordinary people that he's made, but yet his power through the Spirit working through Stephen is what was different. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to give you some insights into my, like, internal pastoral goals for you for the rest of, like, this next nine months of the year. Um, I was thinking about, I don't know about you, if it's just, like, God doing something for me or if it's just the weather, but um, 
I feel like now is the time we should, we, it really feels like New Year resolution season. Does it do you? Spring's coming, blooms are happening, life is coming up from the ground, and you're like, oh yeah, let's get activated. Anybody else feel that way? All right, so what I want to do is let's do New Year's resolutions now. Anybody else still keeping those, by the way? Anybody still? Yeah, we've got a couple. Amen. Uh, <laughs> and so I want us to just say, hey, for the rest of the year, I want you to know here's my pastoral goals for Missio Day. All right? Through the life of Stephen. Is that cool? There's five of them. The first one is unity. Unity of the Spirit. So let me give you some context as to what has gotten to this point of Stephen's life. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, Jesus is uh, as not ascended yet to heaven. He gathers the disciples and he says, hey, th- he says this. Um, let me pull that up on the screen. It says, so when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for a political kingdom. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. I just love that. Jesus is like, not your business. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses where? To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So the goal was that this gospel, through the power of the Spirit, would go out. Um, All throughout, next, uh, they they begin to gather and pray. Uh, Again, ordinary people, um, they 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 have to kick Judas out because he's betrayed Jesus. He's no longer a disciple. And they have to find another guy, and they, like, roll dice and like, oh, Matthias, you've become a disciple. You're like, what? Like, who's Matthias? You won't even see him again. I'm sure he did some amazing stuff. Again, ordinary dude. Um, but then they gather in, um, they become this fixation of this word all throughout, go to the next slide, all throughout Acts, there's this like repetitive theme of one accord. Uh, it doesn't, you can't see it in Acts 1.14, but it says that they waited and prayed with one accord. Acts 2, when before Pentecost happened, and these, what happened is they, 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 these tongues of fire came over individuals and Everything is symbolic back to what God did in Israel. What God's doing is, hey, Israel was supposed to be God's people, but they blew it. But now through the power of Jesus, we are God's people, and the Holy Spirit is among all of us. And just as the, pow- the fire, remember that we talked about Moses, that fire came down, that Shekinah glory over the mountain when Moses met with God. You guys remember that a couple weeks ago? What he's saying is now, this is not over the tabernacle. Every single individual with the Holy Spirit has a fire over them. And so this is what happens is they wait there, and they were with one accord. And then, so there's this sense of harmony and unity. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, they broke bread from house to house. In the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among them, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. That's just a fancy word for porch. Um, So why do I bring this out? Because now you would think, okay, now the Holy Spirit's come upon the people. There's no more conflict, right? No, wrong. There's tons of conflict that happens. This church moves from 120 to 3,000 people. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of people with different opinions, different ideologies, different ways of thinking about doing things, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different backgrounds. And then in Acts 5, two people drop dead because they, they, were, they were withholding finances from the church because this church was just this, God was doing this new generous thing where people were selling their property and just giving it to, to the church and anybody who had need. This was not forced communism. This was divine generosity from the Spirit. There was a new community, a new family. There was new leadership. God was doing a new thing, and he was showing them that, hey, there's, no, there's corruption that's happening. And then in Acts 6, there's division, ethnic divisions among races. There's um, widows. Some of the widows were Jewish widows, and some of the ju- widows were Greek widows. And there was conflict of how those widows were cared for, and the Jew- Jewish widows were getting priority. 
and the, the Greek widows were not being taken care of, and there was this major conflict. It says they were complaining. There was complaining and grumbling. Remember, this is the new Israel. Remember back in Egypt, people were complaining against Moses. God, why did you bring us out here, Moses? We are better off as slaves. Now this new community has the spirit, and now we're starting to see the same kind of things happening. Um, so what happens with why I want to say unity is Stephen begins to say, hey, I'm available. I'm available to serve tables. I can bring you, I, I'll, I'll be an instrument of unity here to make, take care of these needs. And what happens is we see that, that what I want to show you this is before even Pentecost happens, there was unity. That unity precedes the power of the Spirit. That if we want to see the power of the Spirit move among Missio Dei, we have to first see unity, that unity precedes the power. We love to talk about the power. We're going to get into that. But if we're going to see the power, it's going to be because we are a unified family. And that's what God is doing. That's what God is doing in this passage very much so. And Stephen becomes this unifier and peacemaker. And, and what I want to do this morning is just help you see that the beauty of unity, like Stephen steps up to use his spiritual gifts for the need of the hour, and unity begins to take form. Psalms 133 says, How beautiful it is for us to dwell together in unity or dwell together in harmony. And when there is unity, that is when the Holy Spirit can be present. When there is unity. What I love about our church is like we are just such a hodgepodge. And we are five years old. And we've been seeking to live these communities on mission that love people. And many of you are here because of that love. And we are people from all kinds of different backgrounds in this room, all kinds of different cultures, all, the, all kinds of different denominational streams and preferences of ways of singing and ways of teaching that you might like. You might not like my teaching, you might like somebody else. But when I, when I look back at my journey as being a follower of Jesus over the past 26 years, I am so grateful for the gifts of the Spirit displayed through God's vast, big church family. I mean, I, I, I have... Um, just experienced so much from so many different people that just see the Spirit at work. It's just amazing. I've been enamored with liturgy, and I speak in tongues. <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've, I've woken up at 3 a.m. to pray with a monk, a Franciscan monk, and to, end, to open the day, and I've prayed with Pentecostals at 3 a.m. to end the day. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've uh, been on spiritual retreats with Methodists, I've eaten a lot of potlucks with Baptists, and I've studied <laughs> theology with Presbyterians. I've been mentored by an Eastern Orthodox priest in the city who writes books with a Ford from a Southern Baptist, and at the same time, I, I, I've, I've been enamored by memorizing Hillsong worship songs, right? It's just God's family is so... Big. I've been shaped by shouting churches, and I've been shaped by silent experiences. I've been, um, I, I, I've, I've lived with a, a homeless shelter for two weeks as just an experiment, and went and just like, I wanted the people of AA who believe in Jesus just to teach me and learn. I've been, sh I've been shaped by so many things because the Holy Spirit is big, and his family that God creates is big. And so I don't really care what background you come from. I don't really care what you look like. We are not here because people look like us or dress like us or talk like us. I am here because we want to make the name of Jesus known and big. Amen? We are in this place because we love Jesus. 
We are here because we want to be open to the Spirit of God. We want to be people who say we are in this place not because of anything else. The church is the only container that can hold that kind of unity. Where else are you going to see conservatives and liberals wash each other's feet? Nowhere in the world would you ever see that except through the church, people. And God's Spirit, what He does is He has unity that precedes the power of the Spirit. Amen? So, first thing, unity. This whole year, pursue unity. Second thing, pursue the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says a couple of times with Stephen. Uh, next slide. It says that, sorry, these are, let's move that around a little bit. But it says that, uh, first of all, that Stephen was selected to wait on tables because he was full of wisdom and the Spirit. And I love this. Now, they didn't go around and be like, now, who's the INTJ Enneagram 9? That would be great. At, wait, no. They said, who's full of the Spirit? Because we've got this continent. Now, you see this. They've had these tensions. And now these tensions start to come to a reality because there's widows. And they're like, oh my gosh, we know we had these tensions. Now we got these widows. We're, this stuff feels real. And they're like, you know what? If we're going to have anybody do this, they got to be full of the Spirit because they're going to keep the unity. And so they begin to select Stephen. Then he says he's a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Stephen, listen to this, full of grace and power was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Wonders and signs is always synonymous in Scripture with supernatural ministry of healing and prophecy. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then Stephen begins to teach. And so I just want to ask you to, the, the unstoppable spirit that's in the book of Acts, I'm just asking you to resolve. Thank you. Look at that. Holy Spirit filled. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. That was my whole sermon. I was about to preach just right now. So... So, so check this out. Here's what I, I think we've gotten the way we see the gifts wrong a little bit. So I think, follow me, I think what we often do, what I often do, and I think it's good because we desire gifts, is we sit alone with God and we go, God, give me the desire, give me the gift of healing, give me the gift of healing, give me the gift of healing, give me the gift of this, give me, I just wish I had this gift. I think we're going about it the wrong way. With Stephen, look at this, the gifts are not about him, they're just matching the missional need of the moment. And those gifts are not for you. They're for the person that needs healing. The gift of healing is not for you. Like, I don't know if you've ever begun to practice spiritual gifts. When you first do it, you're like, kind of like, uh, I got this word. Um, maybe God's saying this to you. And then they're just rocked by it. And you're just like, your joys in the fact that like you had this and it worked and they were rocked by it. That's, that's normal. But like, what I've been learning is that's not the goal of all this is love. They're rocked by it because they feel the intimacy of Jesus. And that's what we begin to get excited about, is they are intimate with Jesus. So what I love about Stephen is he, we sometimes think that we just have one or two gifts. I don't think that. I think we have access to all these gifts. And it's the need of the moment in which we step out in faith to activate the gift. That's what Stephen did, right? He's like, I can roll up my sleeves and serve and change the projector screen. <laughs> and then I can... He's beginning, then there's sick people, and he's like, need of the moment, step in, pray for people that are sick, signs and wonders are done. Then, teaching, remember what he was, this is what I love, he was selected as a deacon so that the, the apostles could do the preaching and teaching. Here he is teaching, okay? So then, so, so now we see all these gifts being activated. All right, all right, I'm getting so sidetracked, but this is just, when Brad did that, I just had to say that. All right, so, um, 
what the power of the Spirit does is, is He changes us. The, the Spirit changes us. You, you, are not, you are not fated to be the same for the next 30 to 50 years. You've been loved by Jesus so that you could become more like Jesus. And, and yet you're, you becoming more like Jesus doesn't make you love you anymore. We know that. That's, it's by grace through faith. But as we've been met by Jesus, we're changed. I love in Acts 4, Stephen got his whole life from other models. They, Paul and Peter go and minister to someone who's lame and he's healed, and then they, they, arrest, they want to arrest them and say, why did you do this? And it says that they could tell they were common, ordinary men, which I love. Like, how do you tell someone's common and ordinary? Like, looking at them, like, you just look common. You're really ordinary looking. Like, that's just... But then it says this. They could tell they had been with Jesus. I want that to be my description. Brian is one ordinary goofball dude that's just pretty unassuming. It's not that much to him. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. But, man, I can tell he's been with Jesus. That's what I want. And that's what Stephen had. That's what the Spirit of God that was on him, they saw full of grace. That only time that word full of grace has been used is of Jesus. Stephen is the person the, that follows, shows we have the most picture of like someone who like tried to live like Jesus. Um, so I just was thinking, man, are we really open to hearing what the Spirit wants to do? Are we really listening to God, like myself? Like, are we so busy doing ministry that we miss ministering to people? I feel like I've just been convicted of this. I was on my way here uh, to preach one morning in an Uber because we, were, we only have one car. And, um, and I, I was like, I'm going to give my Uber driver social cues, putting on my earphones, get some good music on. i got to read over my notes. It's one of those weeks where I'm just like, I need to really get this in. And he had these, like, chants going on, and I, I felt God telling him, like, hey, he's a spiritual person. Like, talk to him. So I was like, okay. I was like, hey, um, these chants are cool. Put my earphones back in. <laughs> and he just beams up. He's like, oh, yeah, you like the chants? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Hare Krishna. And let me tell you about it. We meet at this temple. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm reading over my notes, and I'm like, okay, say this. Do, don't do the ministry of Jesus without the presence of Jesus. Oh, that's good. That's good right there. And he's just sitting here talking to me, and I'm like, Jesus, like, you need to talk to this. And I was like, no, this is, I was like, wait a minute. I'm doing it right now. I'm not doing what I'm saying I'm supposed to be doing. And this guy is sitting here so beaming trying to convert me to Hare Krishna when he's doing a better job of what I should be doing. So the power of the Spirit, what he does is he gives us the ability to proclaim and make much of Jesus. Um, there's this guy named Jesse Itzler. Uh, he's a, he, I always listen to his podcast. He's a marathon runner. He wrote rap songs, and then he wrote uh, songs for the New York Knicks. Anyway, um, there's this podcast about him, and he got into ultra marathons, like 100-mile marathons. It's crazy. And so they go, and he gets this team, and they go travel to this ultra marathon. It's, uh, it's running for 24 hours straight with this team, and they're going to take a yeah, crazy, right? And so he, they, they've got all these power foods, hydrated. They see this other guy running. He's built like a tank. He's the only African-American guy in the race, and all he's got is a bag of crackers and a jug of water, and he does the whole thing for 24 hours by himself. And afterwards, he just goes up to the dude. He's like, who are you? They begin to talk, get to know him, find out that he's a Navy SEAL. So I love Jesse Itzler gets his number, and he calls him when he goes back to New York and goes, hey, would you just come live with me for 30 days and train me? Love that. And the, Neil, the SEAL, uh, Navy SEAL says this. He says, under one condition, you have to do whatever I say. 
And he's like, okay, how bad could it be? The seal gets in there with him, and they go to the gym. He's like, I want you to do five or six uh, pull-ups. Or I want you to do as many pull-ups as you can, sorry. Itzler gets up there. He's like, oh, oh. he does like six. And he goes, okay, now I want you, you're not leaving the gym until you do 1,000. And then there's a book. It's got a lot of cussing. I don't recommend that part, but um, just giving that part's not inspired by the Spirit. But uh, it says that he does all these 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 push up. He, he does it. He does a thousand push up pull ups and then leaves. He he says, Jesse, you're too soft. It's 14 degrees outside. We're going for an eight mile run. Wake up right now, 5 a.m. They do it. He's like, I want you to. You're too soft, Jesse. I want you to sleep in a chair. He does, and what he said he realizes is that what the seal taught him is that when you're at, you think you're at your fullest capacity, you're not. You still have 40% more to go. And I, and I just say, I was like, oh my God, I was reading that. I was like, man, if I could have someone come train with me, who would I select? And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what about my discipleship with Jesus what if I could have Jesus living with me for 30 days and I just did whatever he said? And then I said, oh my goodness, I'm so blind. I'm asleep. I have the Christ in me through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What if I just listened to him and did whatever he said for 30 days? What if I just did that as an experiment and said, I'll just do whatever the Spirit tells me to do for 30 days straight. I just must be asleep. And I was thinking, man, for some of you, you just feel like, man, I'm just not a great Christian. I can't even pray out loud. I just, I'll never be. You are nowhere close to your spiritual potential, but you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And man, what if we tapped into that and believed that he will guide us and lead us and grow us, amen? And so I just was thinking, man, how amazing would that be? The power of the Holy Spirit, this is the year that you're like, you know what, the rest of this is the year I'm going to get to know the Holy Spirit. You just made that resolve in your heart since we're doing New Year's resolutions. Um, <laughs> how amazing would that be? Now, um, this is amazing. I mean, the Holy Spirit wants to give you more of Jesus' presence. He's doing this. I've seen people in this room the last couple of weeks worshiping that were like not worshiping near the, just transformed. Complete, you know who you are. <laughs> Completely transformed. And it's just amazing. The Holy Spirit does, makes different people. Okay, third thing, my goal, pastoral goal for you. This would be the year that you would be committed to having theological depth. I didn't get any amens on that one. Okay, so Stephen preaches this sermon. Go to the next slide. This is the whole sermon of Stephen recorded. And that's probably not even half of it. Stephen is so theologically integrated, he begins to lay out with Moses, Abraham, Moses, David, Joseph. He says, you denied all these people that were your leaders and servants, and you are the ones now denying Jesus. He lays out a theological treatise that we are still living on the foundation of today because Saul saw Stephen martyred, and he was so transformed by Stephen. We're going to get into that. But this is amazing. I mean, he does remarkable, the Spirit gives him ways to serve, signs and wonders, yet Stephen preached this sermon from the Old Testament, and the high priest says, are these charges true? And he's filled his life with such a deep, rich biblical understanding. Just amazing. He makes three theological claims that we are still living with today. Number one, they've misunderstood the role of Israel in redemptive history. So he's like, you've totally missed the mark of the whole goal 
of, of God as you look through the scriptures. Two, you fail to understand the role of the temple. The Jews were fixated on this temple, and he goes, we now are the living temple. There's no longer needed a building. And then three, you've misunderstood the law. And oh my goodness, he says, now we have access to this temple. We have access to God's presence. And so he's so persuasive and clear, they kill him. And which is just, you're laughing, but it's like, that's Mark that he, like, they were so outraged at that time. Just, you got to remember this context. They was basically saying, like, your religion is dead. And so um, he's, he's articulating theology to the Sanhedrin. Remember, it was the apostles that were supposed to be doing this. Do you know that this is where, remember Acts 1.8? The gospel should go out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The, the apostles never do it. They never leave Jerusalem. They're fixated on figuring out things. And Stephen's the first one to go to these Greek temples and Greek synagogues and proclaims the gospel and spreads the gospel and fulfills Acts 1.8. That's amazing. And it's because he, he knows the Bible. He's amazing. I mean, it should, we've got to see the, like, the, the, the God we love is revealed through this scripture. And I know that there's a lot of baggage and confusion about this book. But our authority doesn't lie, and in, 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 it, it lies in the God that's authoritative in these pages that we've learned about. That's where our authority lies. This is where we get nothing. Nothing else is. Everything else is subjective. This is the the objective thing. And so, um, it's time that we just like we. I just want you to be resolved, man. I want to know the Bible. Like, may it be an anathema, Monsieur de Lincoln Square gospel communities, where we always do the, like, I think in the Bible it says this somewhere. Like, maybe it just be always that, like, you tell people where it is. It's be like, we should have a phrase. Like, if you can't, you can't reference it, you don't say it. <laughs> it's like, we need something to, something to show, like, hey, you have a Google device thingy here. You just type in the thing you know and find the reference. We, you're so, we are in an age where it should be, it's so hard for us not to read the Bible. You have apps that can just tell you, hey, read this, read this, read this. Like, we can redeem our routines and our commutes. We can redeem our boredom and press into that and spend time with God. If you spend time in this, you will be boggled by the things you'll see of how good God is. And so, may we be a people that are so filled with the Spirit and so theologically robust. That is so hard to find in the city of Chicago. But when it comes together, my God, it's revival. It's revival. It's fire and it's word and it's amazing. So much, so far and few times, you see the, the Bible people are usually like, oh gosh, if we get into the Holy Spirit, crazy stuff will happen. It'll mess with our doctrine. And then the Spirit people are like, well, if we get into the Bible, we'll get legalistic. Man, it's no, it's that these things are, this is, goes together. Goes together. So amazing. So resolve in your heart. I'm going to know, have theological depth. I mean, the way I got into it was, and I was in college. I was really like at the point of a crisis in my faith. I was like, I don't know if this Jesus guy was real. So I began to study, uh, just find actual prints of manuscripts because I didn't even believe the people writing about the manuscripts. Like, I want to see the actual manuscript where Julius Caesar talked about Jesus being a historical person. I mean, I just like find the thing that is itching you and like go dig in. Um, but this is something that we must be. And so make it the year where you're going to dig in and say, I'm going to know Ephesians, or I'm going to, there's so much podcasts, so much, seminaries are for free now online, which is ridiculous. No amens on this one except a couple. Are you guys good with me?
we should have dating standards, like theological depth dating standards. Like, is he a, is he a two on theological depth? No, swipe this way. Um, yeah, I don't even know which way I'm supposed to swipe, but maybe you can tell me later. But like, we should, serious, we should have dating standards of theological depth. Just going to say that. All right. All right, three. I say that, I say that point because my third point is courage. All right? So um, Stephen had this supernatural uh, courage that he could confront these people um, but he does it in humility and love. I just love this, that um, the thing the Holy Spirit empowers us to do is one thing. One thing every single time. It is the courage to proclaim the name of Jesus. And all the gifts, what they do is they help us do that. They help us proclaim and make much of Jesus. And it's, I think the thing that we need is not more about like understanding our gift. I think we've been enamored by the personality culture of the Western world. We've misunderstood it. The Spirit wants to give us boldness. That's what He wants to give us is courage. Courage to carry out our convictions in a complicated world. God wants to give you courage no longer living by the fear of man. No longer living by the fear of approval. That's what I pray for when I preach. I pray for courage because if it's, I don't have courage, I'm just going gonna, gonna to get so confused in my head and play this game of like, what would they think? What are they going to think? And I can't do that. I have to say, what does this word say? I mean, that's why I love the story of SEAL, because the Navy SEAL doesn't go over to Jesse Itzler and be like, let me move in with you for 30 days and just affirm everything that you want me to affirm. He's like, I'm not just your little mascot. He's like, I'm here to help you grow and change. So we need to have the courage of the Spirit we need to have the courage to have convictions. I just love this, what Stephen does, to preach so courageously to these people. And we read this, that when they saw him, heaven was open. And it says that, we, we said this a couple of weeks ago, he saw Jesus standing. He saw a vision of Jesus standing. It's the only time that he sees Jesus standing in Scripture. All the other time he's seated on the throne. But when Stephen gets a vision of him standing, and he's, Jesus, I think what's happening is Jesus is like, I'm proud of you, Stephen. You are my beloved son. I'm so well pleased with you. So well pleased with you. Come on in. You can do it. You can do it, Stephen. You can take the stoning. You can take the persecution. You can take it. Come on in. I'm proud of you. And the Christian life is not about self-fulfillment. It's about self-denial. Jim Elliott love the story of Jim Elliot. Him and a group of people went to spread the gospel to the Aka Indians. He said, a man is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Another quote he said is, when someone is ready to die, I can't I'm pushing the quote, but he said something like, let him, let him, the only thing left that he should be ready for is ready to die when he's, when he's ready to die. That there's, he's, that's the only thing left. There's no regrets. There's a sense of courage that comes when we have the Holy Spirit. And we should have the courage to I think this is a different culture. We don't need to go, Stephen's like looking at the, these people that are, and he says, you stiff-necked people. I don't think we need to go to our coworkers and be like, you stiff-necked people, right? But we need to have conversations. We need to have courage to just be like, tell me about your spiritual life. Do you have one? Let me listen. Let me learn. I'm curious. We need courage to be curious. And if we love, if we love people, we'll be curious because we want them to know Jesus, amen? And so, um, not only does he have this courage that gets him in this frenzy, but he carries out his courage with just humility and love. That's the last thing I want for you this year is just to be resolved to be people of love. 
Jesus' death was the victory of God through suffering love. And this is what our culture needs, is courage and love at the same time. And Stephen, as they are pelting him, he says the same thing Jesus said. Some of you are like, how could I love like that? I can't love like Jesus, dying on the cross, forgiving his enemies. No, but you can love like Stephen because he was empowered by the same spirit. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Stephen had the, the ability to have the humility and love that Jesus had to love his enemies. Who do you love, Missy O'Day? Who do you love? I pray that our answer would always be our enemies, the people that we think have something against us, the people that we think are out to harm us, the people that we think are think ill thoughts of us. Those are the people we love and bless. The only, only reason you need to identify your enemies is because you can identify who you need to bless the most. You identify the person you need to bless the most. And that's the life of Stephen. So, just to close, my pastoral goals, this unstoppable spirit we've been given. You've been given a spirit of unity, church. You've been given a spirit of boldness and power of the Holy Spirit. You've been given the boldness and courage to proclaim God's love through Jesus. And you've been given just a sense of humility and love and sacrifice. May we just press into those things. Let's pray.